Were you watching last night, or was that Stranger Things? No, no, we were watching Instant Hotel last night. What's Instant Hotel? Chris. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, where are you so, at? Oh, you gotta oh, tell it's me. it's not Australian? Yeah. It's thing. really so, enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, we finished episode five, it's right? A, it's not as trash as you Where they went to Brenton Leroy's Tropic okay. Resort, or please, whatever the fuck they call it. Please tell me all of your thoughts. I just, okay, first of all, like, at first glance, I was like, okay, like, this is this is a fine house. Like, this is fine. There's, There's nothing, a lovely yard. Yeah, I don't know. The pool is beautiful. They have the water feature. That's great. Like, spending time out there, wonderful. And But, like, the more I look inside, just like, it, it does, what someone described as, like, a gift shop exploded or something like that. Like, yeah, it is. It's like, he had, like, three paintings hung up on a wall, three paintings hung on the other side of the wall, and, like, one painting in the middle. It's like, fucking no. It like, was, pick two and he, stick with it. But it was on, like, every surface. Yeah, this every guy surface was, just was laying crap. layers of and shit. And he spent the entire season being like, well, that taste isn't quite as good as mine. Because like, I, I do have, like, yeah, yeah. have a background in interior <laughs> design, which he would mention, like, all the fucking time. And every, so, understandably, and he was also a huge dick, and yeah, like, he, was he would, like, tank people's scores... So this whole time people are like, okay, like he has a yeah. <laughs> background in Can't wait design. to see what his house is. And do you remember there's like a wall? It's a wall where there's like like the most basic ocean-themed like hotel art. And it's sort of like one here, one here, one here. But then there's a ribbon under that. And then in between each of those paintings, like corresponding to them, are like miniature tribal masks. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> So strange. The one I particularly remember was like it was a large picture of like I don't know if it was a landscape or just some generic colors or something, and then like directly below it there was like it was like Target Mom art. One of those things says like live, laugh, love, beach, friendship, and it's like you're fucking gay. Don't do this. I've never sympathized more with the Westboro Baptist Church in my life. Another episode of Why Do We Watch This, the podcast where three friends have a nice themed cocktail, watch a not so hot movie, get together and talk about what was so bad about it and how it could be a little bit better. I'm your host for this week, Lee, fusion powered photonic AI Delahanty. I'm Chris. I'll resequence your DNA, so help me, Ravel. And I am Brendan, lunar leisure living Drishler. Changed it up for the last second. <laughs> and if you what couldn't tell from I those am. nicknames, we have just done The Time Machine from 2002. Yep. Uh, starring Guy Pearce, Samantha the Mumba, uh, Jeremy Irons, Mark Addy, Orlando Jones. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. You, hit, you hit the big five. That's all the ones that I see. Samantha Mumba's little brother. Oh. Directed by Simon Wells. Mm-hmm. With a wee bit of Rubinsky. A wee bit of gore. Pitchagor um, for pleasure. So this movie was was uh, thankfully quite short, but we did have to ease the pain. That's right. A little drinky drink. Just remember, we that. had a little a little drinky drink. The little drinky drink we had is called the inescapable result of your own tragedy. It was three ounces of Pims, a green bee lemon sting, which is this honey lemon soda pop, mint leaves, and lemon. So what you do is you gently muddle the mint leaves in a shaker. Once you're done, you add your Pims and you mix it up. Then you strain into a glass with ice and top with the lemon sting. Give it a little stir and then garnish. With with some lemon slices. It was delicious. Or delicious. <laughs> no. I don't get it. Because there's honey. I don't follow. I mean, Pim's... It's very no. similar to a Pim's cup, and we all know that Pim's is a, a, a refreshing southern... Mm-hmm. Southern. Southern. Summer. Summer. That's summer spirit. 
to drink. Uh, mix as well with ginger and, mm-hmm. and lemon and yeah. citrusy things. A Pimm's Cup was also period appropriate, which is why I was doing it. I yeah. was looking for a lot of like cocktails that you may have had in the late 1800s and let me tell you something, a lot of them sound terrible. Yeah. Pimm's and Coolers are good. There were like three that Pimm's I saw. Are tasty. I had narrowed it down to three and then I just saw like Pimm's Cup was around there and I was yeah. like, okay, fine. There it is. They did a lot of stuff with, like fortified wine. I mean, it's just a lot of like <laughs> thick, like it's like, let's have some molasses in this drink. Like, no <laughs> they didn't have you know, nice mixers back or then. Or palettes. True. But, you know, it was really refreshing. Um, yeah. Great summer drink. Would make again. I loved it. I don't like Pim's Cup when they're too herbaly, which is why I don't really care for it with cucumber and I know that's how you're supposed to have a Pim's Cup. But there's I just... Like, I know there's, there's like 30 ways. variations, but like I feel like the one that I'm most familiar with has a cucumber sliver in mm. it. I don't love cucumber in drinks, really, in any capacity. So um, this one played up a little bit more of the fruity aspects, which complement the little herbal bitterness of Pim's, which uh, I think made it pretty palatable to me. Yeah. It was tasty. Yeah. What it's also like a million degrees and rainy, so, you know, hey, yeah. that helps. Yeah, we got crazy Boston thunderstorms tea tonight. storm. So, um, before we get into it, can we just get a rough idea of what happens in this movie? Absolutely. I'm going to turn to our trusty friend, Wikipedia. So, in 1899, Dr. Alexander Hardigan is an inventor teaching at Columbia University in New York City. Unlike his friend, David Philby, Alexander would rather do pure research than work in the world of business. After a mugger kills his fiancée, Emma, he devotes himself to building a time machine that will allow him to travel back in time to save her. When he completes the machine four years later in 1903, he travels back to 1899 and prevents her murder, only to see her killed again with a horseless carriage... Frightens the horses of a horse-drawn vehicle. The irony. It's as fun as it sounds. Yeah. Alexander realizes that any attempt to save Emma will, will result in her death through other circumstances. Distraught, Alexander travels to 2030 to discover whether science has been able to solve his question of how to change the past. At the New York Public Library, a holographic science sentient librarian called Vox 114 insists that time travel to the past is impossible. Alexander travels to 2037 when the accidental destruction of the moon by the lunar colonist demolition team has begun rendering the Earth virtually uninhabitable. While restarting the time machine, he is knocked unconscious and travels to the year 802,701 before reawakening. When Alexander comes to learn that Earth is now healed and the human race has reverted to a primitive lifestyle, some survivors called Eloy live on the cliffs on the sides of cliffs that were once Manhattan. Alexander is nursed back to health by a woman named Mara one of the few Eloi who speak English. He observes the broken moon and suggests that maybe his teachings led to the future. One night, Alexander and Mara's young brother, Kalen, dream of a frightening jagged-toothed face and a creature calling their name. Alexander informs Mara of the dream, and she tells him they all have that dream, and notices that his watch is missing. The next day, the Eloi are attacked, and Mara is dragged underground by ape-like monsters. The monsters are called Morlocks, and they hunt the Eloi for food. In order to rescue her, Kalen leads Alexander to Vox 114, which is still functional after 800,000 years. After learning from Vox how to find the Morlocks, Alexander enters the underground lair through an opening that resembles a f- the face in his nightmare. He is captured and thrown into an area where Mara sits in a cage. Alexander meets the Uber Morlock, who explains the Morlocks are the descendants of the humans who went underground after the moon broke apart, while the Aloy are descended from those who remained on the surface. The Uber Morlocks are a cast of telepaths who rule the other Morlocks. 
Uber Morlock explains that Alexander cannot alter Emma's fate because her death was what drove him to build the time machine in the first place. Saving her would be virtually impossible due to a temporal paradox. He then reveals that the Morlocks have brought the time machine underground and tells Alexander to get into it and return home after he gives Alexander the answer of why he can't change the past. Alexander gets into the machine, but puts the Uber Mor- but pulls the Uber Morlock in with him, carrying them into the future as they fight. The Uber Morlock dies by rapidly aging when Alexander pushes him outside the machine's temporal bubble. When Alexander stops, it is the year <laughs> six hundred and thirty-five. Million four hundred and twenty-seven thousand eight hundred and ten, revealing a harsh rust-colored sky over a wasteland of Morlock caves. Accepting that he cannot save Emma, Alexander travels back to rescue Mara. After freeing her, he starts the time machine and jams its gears, creating a violent distortion in time. Pursued by the Morlocks, Alexander and Mara escape to the surface as the time distortion explodes, killing the Morlocks and destroying their caves along with the time machine. Alexander begins a new life with Mara and the Aloy. While Vox 114 becomes a teacher to the Alloy children. Back in 1903, Philby and Alexander's housekeeper, Mrs. Watchett, are in his laboratory discussing his absence. Philby tells Mrs. Watchett that he is glad Alexander has gone to a place where he can find peace. Then he tells her that he would like to hire her as a housekeeper, which she accepts until Alexander returns. Mrs. Watchett bids Alexander farewell, and Philby leaves, looking toward the laboratory affectionately, and then throws his bowler hat away in tribute to <laughs> Alexander's distaste for conformity. Okay. So the phrasing well, I mean, in this Wikipedia thing got a little weird. I feel like the Buller Hat's a little bit of an inference. It's, yeah. it's a weird moment I mean, to begin with. I, don't, I, there, I think there may have been a snide comment from there the beginning was. about the In the, the beginning of the movie, he's like, all the men are wearing the same bowler hat. Okay, and yeah. he says it to Philby, and he's like, so? Okay, yeah. I feel like that's like that's the least takeaway I would have from this movie, you know? Like, it's, it was about his friend, but like, it's... I think it's, supposed to, I think it's a callback that maybe it's a callback doesn't always It's something that I just did not Nobody remember. Nobody would remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. So the first thing I want to talk about is um, to get a better understanding of this adaptation. Let's um, go back to the time. Yeah, let's go back in time to <laughs> the, 18, the late 1800s. Yep. And let's talk about the original story um, and what goes on there and what you're working with when you are given the task of adapting it yes. for like a different format. So I think probably you know the most about it. I know... I've read it. I know the broad strokes as well. Yeah. I've never... Like, I think I might have read it distantly in the past, yeah. but like... Uh, I was studying it a little bit on the the, the Wikipedia's. Wikipedia has a pretty good um, overview. I checked it earlier today to see if, like, yeah. if what I remember tracks. So the biggest thing about the book is that there really isn't like a solid narrative or arc, right? Um, in the book, it's just sort of like anecdotal, like it's events. Events. This character goes yeah. forward in time. He sees things happening. He goes forward again in time. More things happen. He goes to the end of time. Like Swingus is the end of Earth and is like, well, better get back. Goes back to the present, drops some flowers off to his friends, and is like, see y'all later, and then never comes back. Yeah, and like the the stuff that he sees is like the stuff that the movie, it, both versions of it, uh, the sixties one and this one, um, f- sort of focus on. Like he spends, I think, probably the most time in that like eight hundred thousand. Right. I, that's also, yeah. I think, probably... It's, it, he does spend the most time there. It's also probably, like, the most striking, like, part of the book because mm-hmm. it's the most developed. The mm-hmm. other Johnsons of the future are pretty brief. And yeah. they also just tend to be, like, quick reflections where he just, like, pops up and is like, oh, here's a thing, here's another thing, here's another thing. Well, later... He has, like, micro-adventures, right? But then... Yeah, I mean, at a point, they're not even adventures. Adventure, yeah. It's just, like, he literally, like, sticks, like, hat out. also, like, hey, what's happened here? All right. 
And, it, and there's no... They don't get into the character of the time traveler right. at all. Like, you just... So it's like, hey, I made a time machine and I saw stuff. He doesn't have a name. They don't explain why he wanted to do it, uh, what was the purpose of it, what he was hoping to find. It just yeah. sort of like, I have found out that we can travel through time and I did it and here's what I saw. Yeah. And there is a lot of... Beyond that, which is not much of like a narrative or character really to tell a story with, what there is more of than that sort of stuff are like a lot of interesting thematic things happening yeah. and like message like symbolism and, and allegorical yeah, stuff it's, yeah it's metaphor that you can draw this is pretty well documented but and Bernie might be able to speak with a little bit more eloquence but like there's generally like a lot of sort of classist it's yeah socially socialism stuff so yeah. obviously like as the writer of this book, this is going to follow his way of thinking. So, in the book, you have the Morlocks and the Eloi. And what the narrator eventually deduces is that the Morlocks who live underground used to be the working class in England. They were, like, the people who were eventually kind of forced underground by the ruling class, which was based off of his own, like, he, he like his father, I think, like, were, I don't know if it was a mine or something, or if he just worked, like, in, like, the dark all the time for some mm, reason, like, in yeah. a basement. But it was based on this idea that, like, all these workers are in, like, this, like, these areas with no light, they're not ever seeing the sun, they're just slaving away all day. And the Eloi are based off of the upper class. The idea being that eventually they just sort of stopped doing anything of value. And they just became like these sort of like frivolous and empty headed like children, basically, who just wanted to sort of like play around and like frolic in the fields and have fun. <laughs> and didn't really think too much about who they were or what they were doing. The movie doesn't really do any mm -hmm. of that. The movie, the 60s one does a little bit more of that. I've never that. seen the 60s one, so I, I can't comment um, on that one. They're pretty like vacant in the original movie. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, the Eloi in this one are not, but no. we'll get into more of that later. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Look, basically, while there is not a lot of in the way of like character development or like a twisting, gripping plot, there yeah. is a lot of interesting metaphor and a lot of mm -hmm. interesting detail to this world. Yeah, so and even see the why future you... bits. Right, he's saying like, well, this is how he, it, it's like right. a line. It's like a, he sees it as a progression. So when he goes into the further future, he sees two other things that he's like, well, maybe these are the Eloi. Right, they're like the they're like rabid kangaroo things. Yeah. And he's like, oh, maybe the Eloi like evolved into that eventually. <laughs> And then, like, he just keeps going further in the future where it's, like, the sun is exploding, basically, and the sun is just, like, this enormous red he thing in the distance. It's, like, a slug future he sees, too. No, there's, an, a giant, there's a giant centipede whenever oh. it's the bunny kangaroo e-boy mm. things that, like, he kills one of them. <laughs> he, like, wants to look at it. So he, like, gets out of the time machine. And, like, there's, like, stupid animals who've never seen a human, right? So, like, they don't run away from him. But for whatever reason, he, like, picks up a rock and throws it at one of them and, like, it drops dead. And so he, like, picks up is like, oh, yeah, it looks like a person, kind of. It's got the feet that you'd expect on a person, five digits, five toes. And then, like, this, he hears, like, something coming. And so he, like, drops on the ground. He's like, whoa! And he sees this enormous centipede thing running toward it. So he goes a day in the future and sees, like, no bones there, clearly implying that the centipede had eaten the kangaroo. Wow, okay. yeah. But, like, that's about, like, it's not like a future where, you know, slugs are the dominant life form. It's just, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, more future nonsense. Yeah, and even that, like, it's interesting stuff, but I was saying uh, earlier, not even with words, with text... <laughs> That I, I images. if you wanted to tell if you wanted to do an allegory about like where the class system is going and your <laughs> science fictiony kind of proto science fiction true he's the sort of genre wasn't solidified that for a scientist to go eight hundred thousand years in the future and be like yep this is A and B yeah like <laughs> rather than like, like what really is happening is like there's you've gone from A to Z many many you've cycled the alphabet yeah. many times and the idea that like middle class, like high, upper class equals Eloy instantly is like a little. 
simplistic. So yeah. Well, well I mean, to be fair, it does take him a while because at first he thinks that the Eloy are all that there is. So at first no, he's just sort of like, well, I'm I guess saying it's a, ba- it's a, it's a, not a solidly founded conclusion to reach. No, but I think it also has to do with H. Two Bells being a fiction writer and not necessarily like you know a scientist. No, I, that's fine. And that's fine. But I, I like, I don't have a problem with the metaphor and the symbolism. I have a problem with like the. The, ch- the choice to have it be like if you, if you did like a hundred years in the future or two hundred years or five hundred years but like mm. eight hundred thousand I start to go like okay I mean in the future apparently we still eat the rich huh yeah it feels like a fairy tale yeah I think in general you like especially at least in terms of when you're adapting this story you I think you have to update that commentary a little bit, just because you would, yeah. And you're I, commenting on a world that is very much changed. I mean, we haven't done it yet. Well, but yeah. is it though? I mean, yes, but do, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, but there's. I, I mean, like the specifics of the idea that there are workers toiling underground. Well, Chris, the Chris is a point because, like, I the, just mean like we're looking at it with a different level of sophistication than what yeah. was available yeah, to many same, readers. It's not the same. Op- it's not the same at all. <laughs> the day of the Earth is still in the '60s was about, uh, and we're just we're talking about a remake that is also not good, and that I would hope to do on this podcast someday. <laughs> it was about, like, you know, how we're gonna have nuclear war, because that was on our minds at the time. And hum- humans are still gonna destroy the Earth, but the remake was about environmentalism, and how, like, we're not gonna destroy the world through nuclear fallout, but through, like, just, you know, climate change and being ignorant. And, and like, so... That's the kind of thing I would hope for from a Time Machine remake, is, is that after, like, hundreds of years, not hundreds, like, 800 or so years of change in social things, like, that you would have slightly a, a different approach or a more nuanced idea of, like, what... If you were going to follow that sort of social class-based allegory, which this movie didn't. I'm going to draw a line under the first, uh, the, the, the original book and just say that when you're adapting it, you are not given the full blueprint or a lot to work with. Like, you are going to have to take... Some liberties if you want to tell a good story. You, right. you, know, you should name your your protagonist, for starters. Yep, good you idea. You should <laughs> give him a reason for building a time machine other than, Some like, science. Some sort of development and growth. Yeah, and, like, you should maybe tell more of an arc Maybe it shouldn't just be him travel. using to himself in his head for, like, yeah. most of the book. Well, in fair to the movie, they do change the allegory, but not... Well, I don't even know that there's not an allegory. Yeah, I don't think there's an allegory so sense. much in this one. It's just, yeah. it's just, like... Maybe an accidental one. I was gonna say, it's just, it's just like, typical sci-fi nonsense, right? The yeah. moon explodes, so some people go underground and some people there's can't. There's a... Yeah. I will say there's hints of an allegory. We'll talk about it. So let's talk about yeah. what this movie does differently. So the, the main thing it does differently is that there, there's a huge dramatic impetus for Alexander Hardigan to making the time machine because his I'm sorry real quick because I feel like we're going to do it Alexander sure. Hardigan Guy Pierce. yep Laura yep. is Samantha <laughs> Mumbo because the, this yeah, 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 you're absolutely right yeah. uh, Jeremy Irons is the Uber Morlock mm-hmm. Mark Addy is his buddy from the present who else am I forgetting? Uh, Orlando Jones is, is Vox. Sienna Gilroy is his uh, I mean, fiance Emma. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say her yeah. name because I don't know what her name is. Anyway. You mean the star of E-Ragon? <laughs> yes, her. <laughs> so yeah, Alexander Hardigan, the time machine maker, the time traveler, is um, making this time machine for very different reasons because his fiance, well, for any for a reason. Yeah, period. he has a reason. Um, because his fiance has died um, and he makes it to try to undo her death. And... Um, he goes back one time, yeah. which is the from, this, It could have easily that could have easily been fixed yeah. by just showing him. And the weird thing was, I'd seen this before with you, but it yeah. was a long time ago, so I remembered like broad strokes. I could have sworn to God there were scenes of him going back multiple. I times. could have also sworn to God because I think we have writers. <laughs> we saw like, we have writers' brains. Yeah, that, yes, that's I think you guys both expanded on it. Like, of course, yeah. Of course. Like, why wouldn't you? Well, right? Yes, because, why would you go back in time once, have her die, be like, oh, it can't be done? I guess. Just because it's <laughs> Right <laughs> well, okay. So this is what bugs me about that is a. I feel like in real life, 
in real life, sorry, but I, I guess I'm saying, like, in this emotional reality, he's devastated enough by her death to build a time machine yeah. to go back and save her. Years. Takes him years to do years. Incidentally. Four years. I would say, by the way, he, rather than devastated, he's, like, unable to accept it enough. Like, yeah, this yeah. is the state of man that you're yeah, in. Yeah, he's in denial. In the denial but phase. He <laughs> runs out of steam. He runs out of steam after the first attempt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like I said, it took him years of his life to deny this device. Then, like, in one, like, it takes one hour for him to go back in time and be like, ooh, guess it won't work. Yeah, you don't even have to devote that much time to just give us like a few quick hits. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we tried to hear, oh, she like yeah. fell off a pier. This I mean, like time. a montage, even where like he goes, yeah. like they go back to his apartment and she like slips on ice or something. <laughs> one, one issue with that, yeah. I feel like if you montage it, you really run the risk of it turning into a little. No, comedic. I wanted a montage because and there's uh, there's plenty. Of, listen, you can make any montage stupid and goofy. Yeah, but you, you could also you could also do it serious. I mean, what a montage would do is is like really paint a picture of yeah. a haunted man. Yeah, this man who's obsessed with her so much that he's Good willing point. to go back in time and watch her die two hundred times. Yeah, yeah I want to see that happen. I want to watch this man break down yeah. psychologically. Me too. In the first Me day. too. He, yeah. he does need to. Uh, he, I think it would also give him like a more watchable energy. He's not bad in this, but I feel like this would be a little more animating. It would give you yeah. something to like hang on to, right? Well, if you see him like at the point where he finally breaks, as opposed to where in this where he's just kind of like... Mm. Well, it also yeah. just, it almost seems to be, it really minimizes his motivation because he moves on from that pretty quickly. I mean, he has that, he has that emotional moment later when... Um, uh, Jeremy Irons Morlock shows him that and he like has that emotional moment but in general it feels like we move past the fiance dying pretty quickly well I think I would say like I, I don't think that Guy Pierce. I think part of it is the writing forgets that he's supposed to be yeah yeah Torn. I don't think that Guy Pierce is, is not doing due diligence. Oh, I think he does fine acting wise. I think that like events happen and force him to focus on other things. I feel like um, if you if you started the movie at the point where he wakes up with Mara, like with Mara tending to his wounds or whatever, you would be forgiven for not knowing that he was there because his fiance died. There's like one right. line yeah. where she says, "Oh, you lost oh, yeah, someone." Yeah. He's like, "Oh, my fiance died." At no point after that is he really like, "This is why I came here to the future." Can you help me figure out why I can't fix it this? It stops yeah. being the driving question. And that's strange. Right. I, and I know that we revisit that briefly, but by the time the movie ends, I kind of feel like they're like, meh, like it's fine. Well, it's also, I, I have a little bit of an issue with the fact that he just is instantly, I'll go into the future and the future will know why I can't go back in time. I feel like this, the conversation he has with Vox is like a little dumb too, because he goes to ask Vox in like 2030, whatever. Yeah. By the way, he also is an author in the movie. He has yeah. the role of the movie. Vox is like, ooh, time travel. Yeah. This, this yeah. author, this author. Andrew Lee but he uh, so he goes to ask Vox like hey why can't I go back in time and Vox is like because time travel doesn't exist and I'm like yeah okay that's a perfectly valid thing to say like that probably is the answer you would give yeah. but then for whatever reason he just keeps like hitting on this idea that when he, eventually in the future they'll know why I couldn't right. go back in time and he know he finds out because he talks to a psychic Morlock who's like oh incidentally let me tell you why you couldn't go back in time like how do you know you're a fucking psychic Morlock I guess he's what are the extents like, of your powers yeah I mean, there's, we're getting ahead of the story a little bit. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a couple things that could be happening there that the movie doesn't say. Not to apologize for why this happens, but like, I agree. It's not. No, and I think like it's easy to accept the fact the that answer, the Morlock is just like this super intelligent being yeah. who, after years and years of training his brain to be super big and crawl down his back, uh, he realized that like time travel paradox. It's a thing. Yeah. You can't and I, do it. I understand too that the the. 
I like the answer that the Morlock gives. Um, I think it's a great yeah. this thing to, I, it's a great thing to reach to get to, but I agree that it's not earned that why does he get to know this? So I want to talk briefly about, outside of the wife dying plot, I will say that yes, on the whole, I think rather than anything to do with the evolution of class structure and how that's going to shape our future, I think the, cl- the movie that we see is, is about a man accepting the things he can't change about yeah. the past. That's essentially, it's, he's coming to terms with his dead fiancé. That's the arc we are... We kind of have, and mm-hmm. stuff happens in the course of that. Okay, yeah, um, but that's his emotional arc, anyway. right? Yeah, because I was trying to find the line that he's tell- he tells Kalen after uh, Mara is kidnapped by the Morlocks. The line that he says to him is, "Sometimes we need to accept what happens, and other times we have to fight," yeah. which is like more or less the thesis statement for like yeah. the first part of the movie. The movie because like it's about him accepting what happened and realizing that he can't change what happened in the past; he can only change what he does in the future. Yes, so and so that is, I think, what the movie is saying. Yeah, I will say that the closest the movie comes to doing a sort of like allegory or or, or more like overarching philosophical moral mm-hmm. thing is the beginning his friend says like looks at like pictures of the future as rendered by artists and is like will we ever yeah. go too far yeah, and there's yeah. like a moment when like he in 2037 he sees the moon explode yeah. and then in the future future in the Eloy times he sees, like, basically the, the moon has incorrectly become sort of, like, half... Chunks. Half <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a moon <laughs> smear. It's, like it's, yeah. it's mostly stayed within... I, I, like a mile of itself, and, but it's yeah. just sort of like it's like scattered on the sky. And basically, yeah. to look more picturesque than a ring, which you can't really see yeah. from the surface, or because right. what would really happen is it would become a ring of dust, or it would form back into a moon. Another moon, yeah. But yeah. It, it does neither. It looks it's just, like, yeah, it's just like chunks. Like the moon's moon. floating now for all time. Um, so, it but it looks picturesque, really? and he's staring at it, and, it he, and he says like to to himself, like, yeah. "Oh, we did go too yeah. far," <laughs> and like. But that's all they really care about in terms of it's, like it's a lip service sort of thing. yeah it's a lip service it's not like rather than class it could have been about how science is going to cross that line someday right right and fuck Which, something up and, and you would also think that given that the novel is about H.G. Uh, Wells' idea on socialism and class and so like the whole basic metaphor that he's using is the Eloy and the Morlocks. You would yeah. think that the thing in this movie that also caused the distinction between the Eloy and the Morlocks should also be, like, the central thesis yeah. of the movie. Yeah, but they're but not connected. It, like, it is kind of a little bit, but it's not, because we never really go too far. No, the, what, Unlike science, am I right? They're not thematically connected. No, the yeah, Eloy sure. and the Morlocks are just... They're what they are on paper, where they're, like, one of them is the cattle and one of them is the hunters, but, yeah. like... They, they operate very differently, and right. the distinction between them is that after the moon blew up, some people lived underground and some people stayed. They managed to somehow live above ground, yeah. and the ones that lived below couldn't come back right. above. Eventually, because, eventually, because they've been they there for so long. Yeah, they amalgamated. Yeah, do they? Are okay. they like suggesting they became albino? Well, they're all, they're all, they're pretty. They are. Yeah, they do go up. Right, I mean, they're, they're fine. Which it's they're in the daytime, which right? Which is what I thought was weird. They yeah. come up during the day, and there's no. In problem. the books, it always happens at night, which makes a hell of a lot more sense because the Uber Morlock is like, we're so pasty say, now, we can't look into the sun. They stay there early at some point. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's they do. They say they're early. That's but true. I think that also it's to do with <laughs> so like, like they just don't like coming out in the daytime. It's, it's I think it's thing. to do with like the letters. the yeah. caste system that they have. Like because they talk about well, I don't want to get hung up on that. It's bad writing. But essentially, the Orba Morlock says that some of them they ha- some of them had to be like bred into certain roles. And so like there's like big dudes that, that grab people. Yeah, there's like, like hunters, there's hunters, snipers, there's, yeah. and there's the Uber Morlocks. Yeah, and I'm sure there are people that are like in between that do right. yeah. stuff because there is like 
mills and shit done there, yeah. like me- mechanical. What's in like? You remember when he goes down initially into that crevice? And there's, there's like, like gears. a tube. Well, there's like a, a, like a cloth tube. Do you remember that? A little, maybe. There's. It's like it's like I don't know what it is. Like I really want to know what that tube is, what it's connected to, and what's going through. I it. thought it was just sort of like I thought that was just the shit where they, shit. Yeah, and then the bones go down into the thing. And I don't know. It's it. It implies that because again in the original there, I think some of the stuff they did they took from the original and didn't really want to get into it mm-hmm. but they do talk about it in the book about how like there's industry still below ground like that's where the machines and stuff are it's, it's actually more technologically advanced than above ground because above ground is just a bunch of fucking idiots dumb, yeah that like the ones from <laughs> frankly a little bit like the people from Zardoz who are like so what are they called the apathetics yeah the apathetics yeah yeah, yeah. what a dumb movie <laughs> dumb movie, movie, movie but you know what they have that in common so yeah like there's so the the conclusion to this whole arc of like why his fiance why he can't save her he meets like the psychic warlock right so th- certain things from that point happen pretty much like the original where he like he watches them get hunted and like the woman that he meets gets taken and so. He's like, oh, I gotta go find this woman, which yeah. I think he he sort of gives up on her in the book because she does get she like she like he, she gets he tries taken, to save her and for a like, little bit, uh, and then he like loses her. And he's like, oh well, yeah. <laughs> but in this, he's like, nope, gotta go save this woman. But there's still not really much really of a romantic thing happening. Does, it's weird, right? Does, well, I mean, I, I'm fine. I'm like, no, I am too. Yeah. but it feels like it wants you to think that there is, yeah. because like that's why he's going after. I think it's right? awkward because he, he's ostensibly. Thinking about his fiance. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I was gonna say, I just think that's awkward because he's like from an advanced civilization that he's basically like going in and like you know. It, it's well, just... that's aw- well, let's talk. Yeah. So yeah. Can... Well, well, I can into that whenever you want. The, to, the one thing I just wanted to put on that was thing. the the Wikipedia uh, summary kind of implied to me that maybe they wanted us to feel like Mara is like stepping up to take Emma's place. I just mean in terms of like, she, I mean, she's, she's who I'm gonna too. save. Kind I mean, of deal. She okay. So like to a point, she has to be right because if he decides to stay, well, I mean. I guess in this movie he can't go into the past, right? Because, because he blew up he blew his time, time machine with a time explosion. But he is making a commitment. Yeah, He's, right. That whole thesis statement that you said, where about we, there are things we can change and things we can't. Right. And so I think he decides in that moment, like I can, I can make a commitment to like help these people yes. and like make a better future. Now. And I think when he goes to the far future and sees like the Morlocks have taken over the world, I guess. Yeah, which is a weird. That he's yeah, it's a weird thing to throw say. away scene so, to not go into. I think he, at that point he's like, well, I will make my stand here and right. chooses sure. to sacrifice his time machine. And they took over the world. It seems, at least the movie kind of implies they took over the world because the Uber Morlock that he took out. That's an no longer holds. No, his, that's an inference. That's an inference that, that Lee made, and it makes sense because I the made Uber it Warlock too. says, I don't think I, "I no, Chris made it." I oh, didn't did he? Okay, because the Uber Warlock says, "Like well, you know, I'm the ones who I'm the ones who keep the other Morlocks in check. If it weren't for me, they'd just be eating everything and like destroying the ecosystem." And so it does make sense that if the Uber Morlock were to die, that the other Morlocks would come above the ground, basically like ravage the entire Earth, and it would just be like a fucking dust bowl. So like it makes sense, but at no point do we really get that connection made. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's not like he comes back in like says tomorrow, like, oh shit, like, I saw a problem I just created right now, so let me tell you what we're gonna do. Yeah, it's weird, but briefly, I wanna I wanna stop talking about, like, that bit and, and touch yeah. on before, like, this all goes down, this decision that he makes. He is, like, talking to Jeremy Irons, the Uber Morlock, and gets his answer about why he can't fix his wife, his right. fiance's death, because he wouldn't have made the time machine if she had not died in the first place. Right, yeah. Which is, like, you know, a very... Because it's true, like... It, he, it's not like in the beginning of the movie, he's like, oh, 
can't time finish travel. my time yeah. machine plans because yeah. I've got to go back to If only I had four time. years of free time, we're going to have to go back to fiance. <laughs> I got to go. Propose. Yeah, like he doesn't even have the idea until his, his fiance dies. Right. So it's a great thing to conclude, like... And I like the the sci-fi world building there, the rule setting. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is a good exa- an example of, like, a good explanation of how time travel works. Because he doesn't... The book doesn't talk about the past at all. The time traveler is never like, yeah, let me check out cavemen. Yeah. He just wants to see the future. That was just a clever writing I liked. So, like, you wouldn't have made the time machine if this hadn't happened. So, yeah. like, you couldn't... That's why you can't change it. That's it was it's going to happen. I feel like a lot of times when explanations of, like, well, then it would be a paradox... They never really feel that satisfying. This was a rare case where I feel like that explanation did feel satisfying and applicable, and that yeah, really and works. It's, it's really, I don't have any issues with the logic. I don't. I don't care too much about this, but a lot of people complain. Not a lot of people. I saw someone complain <laughs> that he wondering why he can't change the past, and so he goes to the New York, you know, Vox one one four guy, and he specifically says during that search inquiry, like, "What about temporal paradox?" <laughs> so, like, theoretically, he didn't need that explained. That's to him. true. He should. Right. He had that. So, like, you could also. So what do is a, he? <laughs> I was. You could also do a scene where, like, the the rumor looks like. Like, I think you already know why you can't do that. Like, if, yeah, that like, could have been interesting. Right? He, he's de- he's in denial. Yes, yeah. like he does not again because he's been it. in denial the whole fucking movie. But again, I think that he's just that, that was just filler dialogue for him to say like, what about temporal blah blah blah? Yeah, paradigm? yeah. Like, what about science nonsense? The writers, the writers weren't thinking about yeah. that. But so I, you know, if you want to be pedantic, people that are going to find a lot of things because of this movie, you can. But like, clearly, that was just some writer needing him to say psychobabble yeah. for a little bit. But that conversation is nuts for a couple of reasons because it makes Jeremy Irons seem quite reasonable yeah. maybe this was just my impression but I feel like he's horrified by his own existence yeah. <laughs> like he just seems he seems very nihilist about like he's, listen yeah, I mean, he, he basically he resents the lot that they have in life in the yeah, most part. yeah. He, he seems to know that like things are not great but this is the best he can do yeah, yeah this is again. how we survive right and again he says that like he is the one keeping all of this in check like if yeah. it weren't for him keeping them in check by just sending them up every now and then to kidnap the Eloy and go and eat them which you know barbaric but there it is it would all fucking fall apart. But in his speech, there's sort of this tone of like, do you think I like having a brain on my back? Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> he's not, not fun. He's not relishing it. It's yeah. not like he's a mustache no, twirling. He's sad. Dead. He's kind of just like sad and defeated. Which is what makes it weird when he gets into a fist yeah. fight with oh, us. He also I mean, comes off, frankly, as a pretty reasonable guy for the most part. Yeah. Because, like, he it says, seems nuts when right. Alexander starts punching no, him. No, because like, he basically asshole. he says like, he says, so why can't I go back in time? He's like, here's why you can't go back in time. Here's your time machine. Yeah, here's your watch. Go away. he's like, you forgot one thing. Punch. <laughs> like, you fucking psychopath just shows up like his underground and starts punching him. The movie kind of takes a weird. I feel like we go into a weirder action place. It is. When he just socks Jeremy Irons all of a sudden. And I'm like, no reason. And I'm like, I'm not saying Jeremy Irons is like a saint in this movie, but you don't get the impression he's doing anything out of malice. And there could have been, listen, if you wanted to have him take down the Morlocks, I think you could still have Jeremy Irons do the same shtick, and you could still have. Guy Pierce counter argument, but not come off like a fucking jerk, yeah. like an imperialist asshole, being like, "Well, no, we should do things the way I think they are." Right. Yeah. And it does come up. You would think that there would be this sort of white savior plotline with the Eloy, and it's there like a little, little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's just there. But for, like, uh, really, the it's when he goes underground and starts telling the Morlocks, like, "Everything you do is barbaric and horrible. Why yeah. are you doing these things?" And he's like, "I'm sorry. This is how our world is. This is how our life is. Like, yeah. I don't like it either. But this there's, is what we must do to there's survive." There's no other way. But yeah. Imagine if Guy Pierce was like, "But I." I have another one. Yeah, like, right. what if this? And did they, yeah, and even if that way involves, like, you're an evil person, you, you're not, there's no place for you in this world. Yeah. There's still a way to do that without going, like, 90s action scene. Well, I was gonna say, I think, I think to hit, blow everyone I up. think to hit that 90s action mark, 
they had to the like two thousands. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I mean, yeah. you know how like the, the, the style of a decade doesn't set in until about halfway in. Yeah. But I guess the way I'm looking at it is I feel like to hit that kind of action mark, they had to start putting in this very absolute thing of Eloy good people, Morlocks bad people. Right. There's really no two ways about it. And yeah, but, like, he could have said, like, but, you know, there will always be uprisings, yeah. and then, like, that that's a way to frame it as, like, not, you know, I'm just t- tearing your world down and building one that I like yeah. better. You With know. English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, also, there there are so many other things that the Uber Morlock could have done to provoke him into punching him. Like, least of all, which would be to say, like, I'm not giving you your time machine back. I'm going yeah. to eat you right now. Also, the thing that I kept thinking was going to happen the first time I saw this, and I remember upon rewatching it, was that I thought for sure when the time machine showed up below ground, the Uber Morlock was going to be like, and now I'm to go back yeah. in time, live my life in the Same. past, like, yeah. fuck all you guys, I'm going to be okay, you're all stuck here. And that's what prompts the whole, like, fight over slash inside the time machine. I'm not saying, like, that's a good thing that I would have been like, yes, that's an improvement, but, like, it would have been a mild improvement. Yeah. Is one of the reasons we're supposed to think Jeremy Irons is a villain that Guy Pearce needs to punch is because he's keeping Mara in a cage and he kind of says, like, yeah, we have have to keep some of the females for mating. Yeah. I guess that's sort of unsafe. It's horrific, but, again, it's part of, like, I don't think Jeremy Irons... No, I'm not. Again, this is... Jeremy Irons' character and the Morlocks do some fucked up shit. They eat people that are intelligent. They use them as breeding vessels. But that's how their species survived. Yeah. And in their, they, they have stopped seeing the Eloy as people because you have to when it's your food. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's like the equivalent of like, you know, like if you came and lectured me about like eating a cow, I'd yeah. probably have the same like answer. Like, oh, like, we keep them in pens like, that are too small. For yeah. Them. Like, well, yeah, it's an animal. Like, I mean, it's just like the Uber will actually turn to be like, hello, fucking chicken, pigs, cows. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing with your life? That would yeah. have actually been a really interesting counter argument. I don't know if maybe Jeremy Irons insisted that he read his own dialogue and there was like some, there's just, like, just some really good shit. Like, I actually it's like, like you got a better scriptwriter for that. Yeah, thing. I wonder if he brought his own guy or something. <laughs> I hope so. I liked his speeches. The yeah. other thing, this is more surface level, but I think we all kind of remarked upon this. During that fight scene, you kind of expect the example of an Uber Morlock, who he kind of specifies they focused on developing their brains. He can, like, really take a punch and <laughs> throw yeah, one. Like, yeah. What do you need the, the muscle desk <laughs> yeah, exactly. for? the shit out of Guy well, Pierce. You have telekinesis and telepathy. Yeah. And you're strong. You're, like, superhero strong. Yeah. yeah. He, like, lifts him by his one arm. Yeah, one arm. One arm. Exactly. I also thought it was weird Guy Pierce never, like, made a swipe at the back brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you you know, think so, right? Just for the back kick, brain. Kick, kick, Exposed braid. Yeah, I, there's like a. I think there's like a weird like call over it or something. But yeah. I'm like, it's right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to touch quickly on beyond the narrative events and the difference in tone and, and setting and, and like theme. There's some stuff we t- we touched on it, but the optics of this don't look great. Now because <laughs> all of, so even now all of the Eloy are like basically of color of color. Yeah, this but it, which makes sense in a in a. In, in a scientific way, way, yes, they would be, because yeah, you just presume that everyone is interbred over thousands of years. Yeah, but then, then you have, like, Guy Pierce, a white guy, show up and, and explain to them that, like, well, they're primitive. Yeah, let me tell you how we did things back in yeah, my day. And like, oh, and you also, should be fighting against your oppressors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about fighting? Yeah, he yeah. That says, part I thought to be very strange, and I... I think they kind of imply that the Aloy are also kind of being like, um, mind cat control, control yeah, they're being like mollified or what, they're being kept docile by the Uber yeah. Morlock. Well, and they're like, okay, but it's also just in terms of optics that a white guy shows up and introduces yeah. the idea of resistance violence? to yeah. these to these people of color to resist their pale, like yeah. evil Impressors. overlords. Yeah. I'm like, 
that's that's a little icky. Doesn't look right from a 2019 yeah. perspective. And he's got to teach him that English. Right. Learn that English. Yeah, I, people. I didn't even think about that yeah. until. Only one of them can actually speak English. Like, and the babies. They learn it when they're little, but then they all forget it. Yeah, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Again, she's a teacher. She could just be the one who knows English. There's a couple other lines I'll throw out there that don't make sense. Yeah. When he said, the Morlock, after the really beautiful line about how you are the inescapable result of your tragedy, and then he says, this makes no sense, just as I am the inescapable result of you. Right. What is that? You think it's going to be one of those, like, you made me and I made you in a weird sort of way, but, like, he didn't really contribute to the Morlock. So I feel like there's there's different ways you can interpret that. I think the one that's easiest to make is, like, okay, so. By meddling science, right? Right. Is the movie implying that him building the time machine created a reality in which the Morlocks exist, or maybe did, did that make, make them somehow lead to the moon getting busted? Yeah, I think he goes because, to the future yeah. and no one knows about say, We can say with 100% certainty that he did not have any way, so, like, he did not in any way contribute to the moon. So then I have to assume the Morlock just means that, Science. that, they, well, that yeah. they're the result of, like, the last civilization's failures. Yeah, of, like, oh humanity, yeah. I guess, and right? It's not, but he should have specified, because when he's saying you to only a single yeah. person in the room, that's a little yeah. uncomfortable. Let me explain yeah. to you what I mean by this. And by that I mean... <laughs> and you he, people. He should have just said, like, uh, just as I am the inescapable result of, of, my, of my own tragedy. Of, uh, yeah. of, your, of your kind, of your people, of, I mean, of say, yeah. humanity. And, but I mean, again, even my own tragedy. Um, Do you want to lean into that whole, like, villain with pathos thing that Lee was talking about? Like, he is the inescapable result of his own tragedy. Like, this is his life. He is yeah. due to this existence. Like, he doesn't like it, but this is what he has to do. Yeah. And also, it's it's a real shame to me that I feel like Jeremy Irons as a character was pretty interesting, and I feel like the Morlock stuff was could have been kind of cool, but they race through it because it's like punch, punch, uh, Jeremy Irons dies, the machine blows up, the Morlocks are dead, end of movie. I think yeah. it also probably doesn't help that he only shows up for like five minutes at the yeah. end of the movie. And we're and real quick, I just want to say that that way that the Morlocks all die makes no fucking sense. Yeah. It's so just apparently a time explosion. You jam a time machine, it yeah. magically kills everything in a specific right. underground cave radius. It creates some sort of weird temporal paradox, which like, okay, and it, sure. It blasts out of the weird uh, Castle Skull, and then you just see like blue time veins <laughs> right. running through the and so earth. like, I, like, I, I will be Only generous enough. No one above ground gets hurt. Yeah, I will be generous enough to allow that, like, maybe if the time machine exploded, it would create some sort of, again, temporal paradox where everyone caught up in the wake will age rapidly because time nonsense. Sure. Yeah. Okay. He climbs up out of the canyon. The time nonsense <laughs> is rapidly approaching him. He pulls his leg up. The time nonsense gets to the top of the canyon, goes like, boop, goes back down again, and then just, like, courses throughout the surface of the earth, I guess wiping out the other Morlocks? I think, I think we're meant to believe the Morlocks <laughs> all killed. And they kind of imply that there's just, like, hives throughout the Earth, right? right. Yeah. So, again, like, this is just, like, their region. There's gonna be other Morlocks. Oh, yeah, there will be, but they'll, they'll now they have, like, they'll spread it to the other it's people. Just, it's just nuts that it was... Sure, don't have other it was, to blow up for yeah. those Morlocks. It's like a weird, like, explosion snake in that it, it it's only going through these not tunnels. A, not at all how anything works. Right. Unless, you, unless you're saying that, like, you know, your, your weird time magic works in a very specific <laughs> yeah. Bruce Caves way. I mean, this, if you want to argue about something being scientifically inaccurate, here's the nonsense yeah, to latch on to, honey. It, I feel like at that point they threw their hands up and it was like, they were like we, well, yeah, we, well, we need an action end. sequence. <laughs> He's more or less going to get wiped out somehow. This is how we do it. Yeah, it's dumb what, what color is a time explosion? Blue? Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, One line I want to say before we get into the look of the movie, um, because I really like the line, is it's right before Jeremy Irons gets punched in the face and it's a shame because it's a great line and it makes me feel really bad that he gets punched. As when he's supposedly saying goodbye to Alexander, he's like, well, we all have our time machines. 
those that take us back our memories and those that carry us forward our dreams. Beautiful. Yeah. That's a beautiful line. Yeah. And, and what a great for What a great button on the movie. <laughs> it's yeah. Then he gets punched in the face. Yeah. Then, yeah. Let's it's, talk about yeah, the. If only there was somehow some kind of way to like and like if, if there was some way to present the Morlocks were like leaving with the Morlocks and the Eloy having their like symbiotic tenuous balance yeah. was like an okay thing where he could just like leave on that note and go back and contemplate. I don't well, know what like, it is, but... You have this character who isn't happy with his existence. Yeah. If seeing someone from the past who reminds him of what humanity used to be mm-hmm. could give him an idea that like, well, I don't have to be trapped in this existence. Maybe I can't change. Maybe future... Term, maybe I can, Maybe we did it wrong the first time. Yeah. Because he does... The one thing I'll say for Jeremy Irons' character is how wise and, and, and he seems about, like, what he knows and everything. He does seem very sure that this is the only way. Yeah. And, like, wouldn't it be cool if he was convinced that it isn't the only way? Yeah. Anyway, that's getting to my fix a little bit. I want to just grab a couple minutes to talk about the look of this movie. It's a bit dated, 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so the effects aren't, like, so solid. But I think it does pretty well. Doesn't You know, nothing's going to hold up 100%. I think the effects hold up pretty well in general, though. Yeah, there you can really see the CGI in the, the big pullout shot. Um, yeah, yeah. The 60s one just uses, like, um, um, lapsed photography. What is that thing called? Time-lapsed Time photography. photography to yeah. do, like, oh, it's yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one does, like, a sort of CGI pull-out shot of, like, from the time machine and the, the study, the conservatory, yeah. to, like, oh, London. So, Earth. And then, like, you watch, like, a, a like, this one's New York. I forgot. Yeah. You, you, watch, you like, would be forgiven for forgetting it was New York. Anyway, oh, yeah. a lot of British accents happening. You watch, like, the space shuttle fly up and then, yeah. like, land on a moon that now has a lunar colony. Yeah. And that's a really nice, it's a really cool shot. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's a very good visual way to show what has happened, like, both that he's traveling through time and what changes have happened as he's yeah. traveling through time. I thought the Morlocks looked good when they were running. That CG held up pretty well. I don't it like the amazing. look of the Morlocks at all. Well, yeah. The, oh, no. I, the, yeah, the way they're no, designed I know that. Is, I know what you're saying. Like, but I'm just saying, I think the yeah. Morlocks themselves look very generic they're, and they're bland sort of space hey, it's just like, like they should be like background characters in a Star Trek or Star Wars movie yeah. like you shouldn't be focusing too much on them they look like they must not have been cheap but they look cheap yeah I mean it was um, like Stan Winston and Industrial yeah, I know. Light and Magic Stan I mean, Studios. there like, was like there's serious good stuff people there. that work there maybe they just didn't have the time or the money I don't know I mean I don't, yeah they looked technically good but they looked aesthetically bad is my yeah opinion. that's fair I I, I like I Jeremy Irons look mostly I think it's cr- different right yeah there's I feel like some angles where well, it looks a little cakey I was gonna say I feel like you, you can see his makeup yeah, yeah. you, you could have gone a little more extreme with him in some ways it almost feels like they have this elaborate costume and Jeremiah shows up he's like no I'm not wearing that give me a fucking brain and we're calling it just like just like yeah. puff me in the face with yeah that. I mean the brain spine is, is nuts yeah that that's was like, that that's was like a, his really only like monster trait he has long fingernails right he's yeah. got long fingernails, long fingernails and he's got he's brain. got like that that hairline the wig the eyes yeah. I mean, again he's like from the front he just looks like a white walker yeah yeah exactly um the Eloy is great Oh, they're, they're like cliffside. Yeah. Yeah, I was comparing it to Dinotopia when we were yeah. watching it because it has a Dinotopia feel. Yeah, they're in like shells and like like fans that Kept are like. waiting for Bix the Protoceratops yeah. to show up. <laughs> exactly. Start yeah. telling us the Dinotopia code. It's, um. There's a deep cut for you. I mean, I guess the Morlocks are like gray and blue and the Alloy are gold. mostly yellow and gold. You gotta have that teal and orange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The contrast, right? Yeah. Um, Instant chemistry. Ba boom. Ba boom. I will say though, while the Alloy's domicile looks great. I really hate the design of the like fang cave that the Morlocks. Oh yeah, in. it's so goofy looking, so dumb. Yeah. It looks like it looks like where like Power Rangers villains come yeah. out. Of. 
It does. It's just it's abstract in a way that like nothing else in this future is abstract. Like if it were like a stone sculpture of a Morlock, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But this is like this weird, like it's jagged and it's metal. Which again, you don't see a whole lot of metal it, in this world. It sort of just looks like a just like a, like a dragon or like a dinosaur yeah. head or something. Yeah, it's very stupid. Yeah, it it's not like it's in the it's like a sphinx. In the yeah, in the book, it, yeah, it's it's like it's a big sphinx looking thing, and that's where his time. Which honestly yeah. would be cooler. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little like weird. A, I don't know, like a goth sculpture that someone. Yeah, made. exactly. It's not great. The near future holds up decently enough, although we were commenting the like... 2030, the 2030, It does look a bit North Korea-y in some Right. Because everyone's yeah. wearing yeah. new collars and like... Matching, matching two-piece gl- tunic, two-piece like, tunic yeah. suits. You know, you have like the high collar, you've yeah. got buttons down the front. Everyone's the woman, pants matches their shirt exactly. The, the biker woman gets With like a, a cool athleisure yeah. outfit, but then like all the guys, maybe, again, maybe this is the equivalent of like businessmen in three-piece suits now, but it, it had the look of a dystopian. It did. <laughs> Didn't look like nice. Well, because again, because everyone's wearing like the same thing. Like there's no yeah. individuality that you're seeing. Hey, that their 2030 was prescient in that they had city bikes happening right there. And everyone was on wear, bikes, yeah. swiping their cars. But, but with big clunky cart machines, yeah. huge. Rather than like <laughs> NFC or anything more fancy than that. Yeah. But Which they still fun. have their cappuccino. Yeah, they still have Very cappuccino machines. Um, Very precious. I feel like they didn't really have to do much with the library to make it futury. I guess aside from those pains. Well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, I liked Vox, the, obviously. I liked the way they did the AI kind of character. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting... So, like, the way Vox works in this movie is you have, like, six or so panels of glass next to each other in a row. And Vox can appear on any one of them. And he'll occasionally, like, walk down as you're yeah. walking to. So he'll, like be on one piece of glass, disappear, because there's, like, nothing there, and then he'll appear on the piece of glass next to it, like, as though he were physically walking. And he also kind of, like, wafts in and out of you a little bit sometimes. I thought that was kind of cool. And he can make many of himself to do selections from the Time Machine musical. Yes. <laughs> Still waiting for you, Lord Lloyd Webber. So Come on. Silly. They don't specify that it's Lord Webber. I, I thought they did. No, I'm Maybe sure they do. I don't know. Um, Maybe right. it's assuming. It's a fair assumption. Yeah. Come I on. Don't, or Frank Wildhorn. We should, we're getting, well, I was just going to say, you you had mentioned earlier that you wanted to know if there were any movies we could think of where it doesn't yeah. look. Where it, where it doesn't look up. dated. Yeah. yeah. Where, where a vision of the future yeah. looks plausibly futuristic and doesn't look retro or cheesy in some weird yes. way. I'm not sure. So, I mean, I think the thing that we always tend to do with these movies is we wildly overestimate what the future will be like 30 years from now. Yeah, like, I, I mean, say, Time Machine did not do that. Right. Well, the, well, it did in some ways, right? Like, Vox obviously has that moon colonies, right? Okay, the moon colonies. So, you've nice. got a lot of, like, future nonsense happening with, yeah. like, the trappings of this world. The whole, like, when the teacher, like, drags a little kid away, like, I'll resequence your DNA, yeah. so help me. That's probably a joke. Right? I don't know. I don't know. She seems pretty serious about it. I feel like we will have Vox in 2037. We will not have lunar colonies. Yeah. That will not happen. But I think probably an AI hologrammy thing that we have holograms. So like trans. I, I don't know if that, it would be like. You think the New York Public Library is going to have the funds to pay for that, honey? It's not going to be a fusion powered photonic, I'll tell yeah. you. That. Right, I was going to say, I don't think it's going to be quite but as I sophisticated. Think we could have like a hologram AI guy that tells you what you can take out of the library. Do you think sure. we're going to finally give teachers the rights to resequence <laughs> the kids' DNA? I know you're hoping so, Chris. really want that. Um, but yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> could you imagine the fucked up utopia that would happen out of That'd that? That would be beautiful. 
now misbehaving children. Yeah. It doesn't do the worst job in the world, I think, the time machine. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's great. It's not the worst offender, certainly, but I don't think it's, like, particularly on the nose in a lot of ways, yeah. you know? Um, again, like, the quickest way to show that you're in the future, right, is everyone has, like, matching outfits, right? Like, that is, like, yeah. the thing that does. No one has any sense of individuality in this world. Contrary-wise, you have Back to the Future Part 2, right, where you go 30 years into the future and we have hoverboards and flying cars and, like, floating drone cameras, but we're still communicating via fax machine, yeah. right? So it's like, you, we never, we always, like, wildly overestimate where things will be 30 years in the future. We'll be like, oh, well, we'll have flying cars then. Like, how long have we been fucking saying we're going to have flying cars for? Like, how long have we been well, saying yeah. we're going to take a jetpack to work in the morning? You know, like, all this nonsense. <laughs> Let's be realistic. I mean, it's we not going to happen. Power soldier now. That is true. Sam's Do you have a, a good example? No, I just wanted to bring it up as, like, I don't think... I, th- I mean, I think it's impossible. Like, it's it's an impo- it is an impossible it is. ask. Like, well, if you are correct, then you are you got lucky. Yeah. Like, you don't know. No one knows. What the, no, it's because true. the future that you're putting down in fictional media is inevitably going to be colored by your present. Yeah. And when the terms of that present changes, I feel like what that future may look like changes with it. I think when they they kind of go the more like lo-fi grimy look, I think that does make a future maybe more believable and less dated looking because I feel like the swing is small. And then it's more simplistic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you can look at that and you're like, yeah, I can see that happening. Before, because I'm kind of sensing we're getting into fixes, but before we get there, I just want to throw out one moment that I was rolling over my head so much that the thief, after taking Emma's <laughs> ring and shoots her, hangs around yeah. for a weirdly long time, yeah. and then he looks. He looks at Doug Pierce as if he's the problem yeah. and goes, it was just a ring. Yeah. And he's going to say, like, why wouldn't you just let me steal it He's just saying, he says, why would you do that? Yeah. 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 He blames <laughs> Guy Pierce. <laughs> it was just a ring. <laughs> like, pissed off, like, peeved. Right. He was like, you know, most people have their priorities in order and just let me take that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great scene. Music. That oh, I, I, I briefly did want to I like the score. I think the score is generally, it's Claus, I don't know how to say his last name. Adults. Adults. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. But when I was a kid, that was one of the first soundtracks series I bought. Because I like the... Yeah. Okay, that's that I Don't Belong Here. That main theme, it reminds me a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean, which was also done by Claus Baudel. Yes, but I don't think it was before. I think it was before. I know. It's fair to say that Pirates of the Caribbean would remind me of this. Okay. But I've, you know, no one knows the soundtrack to this. I don't remember Pirates of the Caribbean as much. It is, but there are themes to it. I think it's called, like, He's a Pirate or something in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That it plays with Will Turner a lot, but it reminds me a little bit. I'm not saying it's, like, plagiarism or something, but just sort of, like, you can hear the evolution. Well, you can self plagiarize. People do it all the time. Yeah. But, like, you can hear the evolution of how, like, he probably, like, hit on this theme that a couple years later was like, oh, remember that? Like, what if I did this? I, I do like that that sort of main time travel theme too. You get a, you get a big showing of it during the montage of traveling into the future with you know New York changing the moon and all that shit. Um, I, I'm not I'm not as wild about the choral work in the distant future with the evil oh eye. I mean it's just the most basic choice you can right make. like it's like yeah. what would it be while well, there are primitive people living in tribes so you have a lot of like choir chanting yeah. but right? it's also it's kind of like airy sounding right well like I said it reminds me of, like a pure moods or something like one of those like nineties new age CDs when that music st- yeah but also when that music started playing I kind of felt like did James Cameron see this and was like ooh I know what the Navi is going to be like oh. <laughs> it's going to be a mishmash of a bunch of different like people of color 
Do you know what I want to uh, see? Cultures. Is I, I want to see like the next tribal like society in a fantasy or second movie, and I want their I want them to just be really into like drum and bass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that'd be great. Yeah, just, just, something something, just give me something different. Maybe they don't like chanting. You know, maybe they don't like. They don't stuff. even know what a marimba is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> are we not civilized? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's talk about fixes. Yeah. Um, I can go first. I'm happy to go can first. You? Yeah. Can you? Then you should. I'll go first. I really think that there's some strong bones to the some some of this stuff. There's they touch on a lot of interesting things, and I want to keep the stuff that I like, um, and try to make a better try to build a better framework around it. So I think I like having his fiance die as the impetus. I don't. I, I'm tempted to just say wife. I don't know why it's a fiance. I guess it's like an aborted life that we ever got to have together. Yeah, I mean, but like here's the weird. Okay, I think that's I, exactly I don't mean to like it. interrupt you too much, but I just want to say real quick. The thing that is weird also about it being a fiance say is that like yes you care when someone's loved one dies because like you can relate to losing a loved one right yeah. that's sad but like in this movie you barely know her as a character so oh, yeah, were she his one. wife you might have a little bit more meat to hang on to mm, right like yeah you, you might know that they had a life together we're here just like she's this woman who pops up in central park and is like i hope we get married soon yeah it's just sort of like okay whatever. yeah no emotionally so you're right a wife honestly Makes a lot better. more sense from an emotional point. Yeah, we didn't really touch it in the earlier discussion, but it's she's a, a blank slate. Like, yeah, there's, there's nothing there. You don't you feel you see Guy Pierce's grief, but you don't really have a great picture of why they were so in love or whatever. Right. So I think I try you, you, you try to fix that. That's just like the that's Basic that's nitty gritty yeah. details, but like. Um, you know, he loses someone that he loves and builds this time machine to find a way to stop her. I think you definitely need to have that montage, or at least see him try. Show the work of reaching that conclusion that he's unable to change the past. And so I think from there he would travel to the sort of fake, the near, like the 2037 era, where there is like science. I probably wouldn't, because we're 2019 now, it wouldn't be 2037, it'd be a few 50, 50, 100 years out. And I want there to be someone in that time other than NY Vox. I think I want Vox to be there. I want him to meet Vox there. Because I like the idea that, like, he meets Vox later and is, like, and Vox remembers him because yeah. he's a computer. But I want there to be a, um, a female scientist that he meets then. That he, mm-hmm. that I think, because we talked a little bit off mic when we watched the movie for the first time that his time machine initially, at least, until his house is torn down, stays in his house. He's watching his house right. change. So I like the idea that he lands in someone, like, the house. Like, they didn't tear down the house. Right. Someone else has moved in. Yeah. yeah. So there's, like, a, a scientist that has moved into that house, and, like, maybe there's, like, rough history of, like, oh, scientists used to live there, that's why she lives there. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a vague connection that, like, the scientist who vanished or something, and that's why she pursued this house to buy. And I want her to be a main character, sort of a side, not it's a main supporting character. And she's the, she and Fox are both the people that are, like... Well, you're not. Time travel's not real. Get out of my house. Mm-hmm. And there's like antics a little bit, and, and having him, you know, he has to get back into his time machine, which is in her house. I still want to do the moon exploding. That's like maybe when he's trying to be like, no, but I need to get back into your house because I need to time travel. Blah 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 blah. blah. There's like a minor scuffle, and she falls into the machine, mm-hmm. and they land three years later, and, and like the fucking moon, everything's just martial law and it's garbage, and and they're both like, what the fuck? And now she's like, oh shit, he was real. Mm-hmm. Time travel's real. And the same thing happens where, like, they're, you know, they go back out to figure out what the hell is happening. The, the police chase them out because they're supposed to be underground or whatever. Yeah. They escape back into the time machine, but something similar happens, like, they, in the movie where he gets, like, hit in the head or something, and the time machine just gets flung forward into the future. 
and they both wake up in 800,002 or whatever yeah. fucking time it is um, and are separated from the time machine and they meet the Eloy and there's probably still Mara and Kaelin are there and initially the two of them I mean they're both now shell-shocked for different reasons because like he um is still haunt, haunted by like his dead wife and she is now haunted by like three years from yeah. her present society is over like you know and so they're both meeting like Mara and Kaylin and like getting a picture of what hell is what is happening now um and Mara and Mara is is a character who is the only one in her village that is dissatisfied with how things are now. Like, everyone else seems to be fine with, like, people mis-disappearing, but she's the one that is like, I don't like how this is. Um, and they find Vox, and Vox remembers, because I, I just like that character a lot, and I want to keep that element. And eventually they are the people, like, Vox is still the person who is able to tell them, like, oh, yeah, like, there's the, no one, you know, you have these nightmares that keep you away from this place, but this is how you get to this place. <laughs> and they find the time machine, and they have that conversation with Ubermolok, who is also, like, just hates the way things are now. And I want them all to have, like, uh, a, like a moment that in that scene where, like, Mara and, like, the Uber Morlock and the scientist from 2037 or wherever other future time I and him all, like, it's more of an emotional, like, thing. Maybe this is a play at this point because it's <laughs> very little of this is technology. Like, I don't want there to be a big action scene. I want them all to, like, help each other figure out what they can, what they can change, and what they have to accept. Like I think that the woman in 2037 needs something to give her. The, like maybe she already sees the world going this way of the moon exploding or whatever is happening, and have them all go back to their times or the present and like find a way of like. So in Vox's timeline, he can start teaching the Eloy to like go back to how they were, and then Ubermorlock and Mara can find a way for their people to like live without being what they are, like Camel and you know, these awful people that have to live underground and eat other intelligent beings. And, like, she can... The other scientists can go back to 2037 and, like, steer humanity perhaps onto a different course. And, like... But, you know, knowing that they can't change what came before them, but they can each, like, you know... Change their present change, their, change the future. Yes. Like, go back and, and, you know, change what they... Like, you know, it's... Have it be, like, about acceptance, but have more of an ensemble cast and different people that are accepting different things. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, that's what I would do. I, I mean... I would still st- take that as a movie. It doesn't have to be actiony. No, I know. It doesn't have I to just, be a chamber I, musical. I think I talked in our mini. I, talked I know you're about, suggesting it, but in our mini, I talked about that episode of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, where like the 8.5 and 10 and 11 are sitting in a room, being like, "How can I not blow up my planet of my home people to stop this war?" And they all figure out like it doesn't have to be that way. So I just like the idea of people sitting around. You know, each of them thinks that something is inevitable, um, and then and then each of them realizing that like. That's not, you know, you're getting hung up on the wrong thing, and there's, if you just did this instead, and moved on, and did that, like, you know. Uh, I can go next, before I go with that. If you believe you can. I, I really believe I can. All right, then. Um, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> also gonna keep the dead fiancé motivation. Um, I do like the idea that it's, like, a life that he didn't get to live with her as part of the motivation for that, but I definitely want to spend more time of, like, getting to know her, but also just getting a better sense for their relationship. We spend so little on it, and then in the movie as is, and then it's supposed to serve as the emotional impetus. So I want to invest in that more, give her more of a personality so like it really hurts when it dies. I want to have him try at least three times to save her before feeling like, I think, magic understandably, number. like, yeah, it is a magic number. emotionally deadened by it. 
my thought is he's not necessarily traveling into the future to be like, maybe then they figured out how to change the past. But I think he's just going to be like, well, I have this time machine. I can't use it for the thing I wanted to do. I don't want to be here. So he's just kind of like bopping around at random. I'm fine with him kind of like seeing some of the same things he sees like in 2030 and then the moon explosion and then still kind of going into that Eloy Morlock future. But the thing I wanted to kind of change was I want to have Uber Morlock having had been also a time traveler who had been scooting around before our Alex Hardigan. And when he kind of gets into that exchange with him, he's saying, like, I'm in this situation. I fucking hate it. The situation kind of sucks for everyone. And like, yeah, this is how we survive, but it's not like good. I'm thinking by this point, by the way, Alex's machine is busted, and that's why he's, like, stranded in a Louis future. And he, the Morlock realizes that he could not change the past because he needed to have that impetus to change the machine. That impetus being that he was going to be a part of the scientific team that had fucked up the moon and brought it into this situation. So he feels a certain amount of guilt of trying to fix it. He realizes he can't. He's accepted his fate as Uber Morlock with a brain on his back, but he was like, Alex, you, you could potentially help avert this from happening. Um, so Alex is able to go back, and I haven't worked out the details of it, but somehow avert the moon shattering. But he kind of takes that as like a as a win in that he can still avert that terrible future, but he still goes back to his own time to realize, like, I can't change my past for the same reason that U- time-traveling Uber Morlock could not... Um, but I realized I kind of need to, like, go back to my time and, like, process this grief and not throw myself into these, like, bizarre misadventures to avoid it. Uh, I just want to say real quick also, I feel like there is a real missed opportunity in this movie in the beginning when you see the DreamWorks logo of the little kid fishing on the moon. The moon should have pulled it pieces and knock the little kid off of it. Yes, that you're like that gentle, like do 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 do. The moon falls into pieces. The kid falls into the water. All right. So I'll preface this a little bit with what I wanted to say about the time machine. The time machine is a book I read a couple times throughout my life, not very recently, but I read it first probably when I was far too young to really like understand the metaphor and the class symbolism because I was you know like a child, and I just thought it was like a very like interesting story about like a bunch of you know sci-fi future travel nonsense. Mm-hmm. And so the things that stuck with me were, were like the images that H.G. Wells had created in the book, where when he first gets to and it looks like this idyllic sort of future where it's like, you know, it's not like wonderful, but there's basically just like this happy race of like adult children, like frolicking all day and having a very pleasant time of things and not having any cares in the world. And then you see like there, there's all these wells dotting the landscape. Like, what are those wells? They're like, oh, we don't go down in the wells. You don't go down in the wells. Like, that's just not a thing you do. Don't worry about it. And then like later on, like he sees like something like moving his time machine and locking it away. And it's like, well, that's weird. That's a strange thing. What's doing this? And then like later on, you like see like he sees like eyes staring at him like in the night. It's just sort of like it's this increasing like almost like horror aspect yeah. to where like it keeps getting like weirder and weirder as it goes on he finds out more about this world until it finally sort of culminates with the realization that like oh there's a race of cannibals and like these things that you thought were like your friends are like human cows basically and it's like this is what the future is now like it's not this sort of like pleasant happy 
idyllic world that you thought it might be. And so, like, to me, that's kind of, like, what has stuck with me, this image of everything slowly unraveling as you, like, dig deeper and dig deeper. And also, I just wanted to throw it out there again, the image of the Morlocks in the books is a lot more unsettling to me, where they're just sort of, like, ape-like, and they're kind of, like, sinewy, and they have, like, silvery fur, and they have, like, enormous gaping eyes and little mouths. So it's just, like, you can see them at night because their eyes are reflective. So it's just, like, the idea that you would, like, hold up a torch and just see, like, all these eyes staring back at you. Like, to me, like, simplicity of them is a lot more terrifying than these weird sort of like gorilla men thing that we get in this version which I, as I said before I don't really care for so what I want to do with mine is I want to go back to parts of that uh, so the biggest thing is um, in my version the time traveler is going to be prompted to create a time machine because of his general distaste for the time period he finds himself in where he's living through like this second industrial revolution which I think is what it was at the time where there's a lot of advances being made but on the other hand like there's a lot of issues going on with you know how they're treating the poor how the working class are living, people are dying in factories, people are getting killed, that yeah. sort of thing. So he's like a futurist and he has no real desire to be part of this current era. And he's like, but ah, the future, that's where it's at. This mm-hmm. is where I have to go to. He's going to have a friend with him. I thought about it being a woman. I wish I had come up with the idea that you did where he goes a few years in the future and meets a female scientist because I think, because I was trying to like figure out a way that it could be like a female scientist in the 1890s. And I was just like, like I just don't want to deviate that much. You, you know, know what it started from is what? that the woman that he meets, the biker, that's like, nice guy. Because again, I talked about why it's so weird that she gets that much dialogue yeah. at the time. That yeah. they yeah. focus what on if, her. What if she was character? Yeah. Like, that's where it came from. Is she really just there to dispense that cappuccino? It's a joke. To yeah. do a joke about He's there for the yucks and shucks. Mm. Yeah. So... He's going to go back in time with, like, a guy. And I know it's a sausage fest, but, like, sometimes it just has to be a sausage fest because I didn't have enough time to rationalize it the way. Yeah, if you're worried about yeah. being sausage fest. I will make it, okay. Yeah. It'll be a real sausage fest then. Yeah. <laughs> um, It'll be a regular gumbo. Yes. So anyways, so he's going into the future with like with, with a buddy of his, so he has a sounding board, because as I said, you don't want a lot of internal dialogue where guys just wander around seeing what the deal is. Um, I want to include more of the class elements that were in the original story, because that is, for me, the biggest takeaway from what the time machine presents itself. It's not just like the images, it's what the images are representative of. And so when you do a version of the time machine like this movie does, where it's just sort of more of a standard sci-fi romp, and you do have like this emotional hook that they're hanging their hats on with his dead fiance, but like if if you choose to do an adaptation of the time machine and you leave out H.G. Wells's class aspects of the book, like you're just creating a facsimile of the book, but it's like gutless and toothless and crotchless. Mm-hmm. So you just end up with the Cliff's Notes, but you didn't flip to the back to read the theme parts of the <laughs> yeah, Cliff's Notes. Why? You just read the story. We're just like, aha, Weena, Eloy, time machine, got it. Cool. Let's take the test. So basically it's, it's just that. I think it, the message that he's going to walk away with at the end is that like this is the future as it's leading to. I always thought that the future would be like this wonderful world where everything would work out perfectly and, you know, would have everything figured out. Everything would be great. But then he comes to realize that, like, if you're not preoccupied with the present and how things are going, you're going to fuck up the future royally. Like, you can never have this idealized version of the future if you're not worried about where you are in the present. And so that's kind of what I want to speak. Because I think that'll, like, work with the class aspects of it. You, you, you know, you can go back and argue for reform or something like that and to keep that sort of part of the story in. And uh, yeah, that's where, that's where I wanted to go. Nice. Yeah. I realized I left out a detail about Vox. My phone you could go back in time. Zoop, 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 zoop. And uh, only you could go back in time. <laughs> Basically, he, when he like gets into that time machine, he's left behind a like very proto-automaton. Not like one that can like move on its own, but just one that can like record and then play back speech. 
but that through the time jumps, he sees that, like, idea evolve into, into the, like, fusion powered photonic yada yada. Would we recommend seeing this movie? You know what? It's not a big ask of no. you. It's and it's it's short. It's, it's short, and there's like some cool shit to look at. It's it, it brings you back to the time when big movies were just ninety minutes. Yeah, if you want to see yeah. a good big movie that's ninety minutes, you can always watch Men in Black. I feel mm-hmm. like this this is like this is fine. You know, it's like fine. it's not bad enough for me to say no. It's not good enough that after you're done watching it, you would ever want to watch it again, probably. But like. It's okay. To me, they're, they, again, the interesting bits that they don't, that the movie dismisses and swipes onto the rug as soon as they happen mm. are worth it. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy Irons is worth your time. I think for me, aside from Jeremy Irons, the movie unspools gradually throughout its runtime. Like, yeah. Jeremy Irons comes back in at the end to try and, like, set things right. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, it's still just sort he of like. It throws it into sharp focus. Yeah, it, 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 like, deflates into melted jello by the end. There's so much time nonsense coursing through our underground cavern. In, I think you should watch this 90 minutes. Just do it. Yeah. It's free it, on Amazon. On Amazon Prime, yeah. Facebook.com slash Podcast is a website you can go to and give it a like. You can also rate us on Stitcher. Apple Podcasts wow. and Stitcher. Five stars only, motherfuckers. That's right. I don't want to hear about it. Apparently, on the native podcast app on the iPhone, you can just go and tap the stars. You don't have to say anything. Just go tap some stars. I found this out today by accident. Interesting. Yeah. It's I might have to, so easy. might have to subscribe to that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, two weeks from now, we'll be back with another mini episode. Till then. I... I- Oh,